0: Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable tools and testers connectors or relays sacramento electronics is open for you monday through friday 8 30 a.m to 4 p.m directly south of costco and rancho cordova or hey visit them online 24 7 at www.sacelec.com and do it Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. of Jim Bob holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany hop huh? in the Kings Herald Barbershop.
1: You're listening to the Kings Herald Show, a biweekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, he's a writer for the Kings Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going?
2: Will, it's uh, it's quiet out there in uh, in Kingsland, but we're here. We got basketball to talk about, so I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I agree
1: with that, my guy. Uh, He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you today. Well, it's great to be back with you guys. I missed
0: you. I I mean, it's... (laughs) I didn't think I ever would, but I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we are fully in off-season mode today as we scrape together rumors and whispers and conjectures of the last few weeks in order to uh, satiate the thirst of Kings fans who, for the first time in a good long while, don't have a, a lottery pick to fret over right now. So we've uh, we've got a couple of morsels of actual Kings news to discuss first, though. So we'll start here. Uh, since last we spoke, the All-NBA teams were announced. Uh, both Fox and Sabonis were named uh, third-team all NBA. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on that? Any quibbles with their placement on these teams?
0: Well, I don't. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you can always make a case for a Fox being a little higher or this or that. But the truth is, you know, it's kind of a first-time thing. And, and so many guys, it's a little bit of an uh, award for long-time excellence to some degree. Sure. And so so I think it's a great first step for the Kings to have anybody on it, number one, than to have two. Uh, certainly they're both deserving, but uh, yeah, I, I'm have no problems with it.
1: Gary, I'm curious um, only because uh, there was a, an interesting inclusion on the first team. What do you feel? How do you feel about uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the first team? Do you feel like that was deserved? I, well, he's good enough to
0: be there, uh, but I, I don't think so. I mean, the team, you know, didn't win. And uh, should he have been on one of the three teams? Absolutely. Uh, but I I would tend to say, no, he shouldn't have, uh, you know, just, I guess, the old fashioned thing. He didn't play on a winner. So I have a tough time with it, but it it really did. I don't mean that to detract from his building because he's, he's as good as anybody (laughs) (laughs) just about you can name. So, so there's that
1: Tony, any, any quibbles with, uh, with where uh, Fox or Sabonis was placed?
2: No. And, uh, and Fox did get one first place vote. So so shout out to that reporter. He got one. (laughs) Uh, But I think for the SGA, part of all this it just shows how close I think the first and third team really is because you probably could swap those guys and you wouldn't hear too many complaints from anyone so it was a great first step from from Fox and Sabonis to get on there
1: okay well we'll move on from there then uh, the second and uh, much more devastating piece of news to us uh, specifically for Kings Herald writer Bryant West is uh Matthew Della Vidova has signed with uh, uh, Melbourne and United officially ending his one-year tenure with the Sacramento Kings guys any eulogizing for outback Jesus and his uh, his one year on the uh, on the on Beam team?
0: Well, I'll say this. I wasn't, I thought it was a mistake to sign him, but it was, it really wasn't. I mean, it's from a talent standpoint, it was, but uh, I I really think, uh, you know, he was a valuable piece in his own, in his own role. And I think Mike Brown knew that, you know, that uh, the, the guy was going to be help, you know, the new coach uh, get through to guys and, and, you know, needed somebody kind of in the, in the locker room looking after the coach a little bit. I think Deli did that and, and then I think uh, it's pretty clear that I uh, had the respect and admiration of his teammates, even though, you know, like I say, uh, yeah, could you have found somebody a little better? Sure. Would it have helped you win any more games? The answer would be, of course, be no. And so it, it, uh, it just I'd just like to wish Nelly nothing or <laughs> Delly nothing but the best because uh, he did his part.
1: Tony, what about you? Are you, uh, you feeling a certain way about Matthew Delovedovo moving moving back home?
2: I think it probably makes sense for everyone. I mean, the Kings are now in the position where they made the playoffs. They got to start finding players who can maybe play more in a pinch. And at the same time for Delhi, he served his purpose. Now he can go play a little bit more basketball um, somewhere else. I forget which NBA pundit or NBA insider. I'm stealing this for just the idea of being a star in your role. And I think Delhi was that he was a, he was a, he, he aced his, his role for the season. It was minor, but he did a great job. And, um, Sad to see him go in some ways, but I think it makes sense for all parties to kind of separate here. He did his job and now we're moving on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Delva, Delva seems like one of those guys that if, if at the end of the season, they'd have gone, Oh, we're moving him up to the, the end of the bench, you know, as mm-hmm. a coach or something like that, I'd have been happy to, I would have had no problem with it. It seems like a natural step, but I can also understand where when you get to that professional level, it's not quite time to give it up. Okay. I'm going home. I can play two more seasons in Australia. Maybe, maybe I can't guard Fox and practice, you know, a hundred nights a year, but I can certainly go play in Australia for a couple more years. So, happy trails to uh to uh to Bryant West, dreams, and uh good luck to uh Matthew Delavadova <laughs> wherever he lands. Um, um, okay, so um, Europe uh Europe League or I'm sorry, Euro League MVP and possible beam team addition. Uh, Sasha Vizankov season ended in heartbreak this week, losing in the finals by a single shot. We've seen Jay Triano, we've seen Mike Brown and Matina. Uh, uh, for the final four, uh, assistant coach, Jordi Fernandez, uh, they've all gone to see this guy play, uh, Tony, I'll start with you on this one and ask, uh, what do you like about Sasha and his fit with the Kings? And then ultimately, do you believe he comes over, uh, this season?
2: Well, this is uh, not a great comp. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, uh, Visenkov is going to be anywhere near the player that Luka Doncic is. I'm just saying, I do really like EuroLeague players who have checked all the boxes and hit the highest you can in a very, very good professional league. It's one of the reasons why I I didn't like the Doncic criticism coming into the league is because he passed every single test in a very, very good league. And people were kind of uh, discounting that and how hard it is to be good overseas. And Vysenkov fits a lot of, or checks a lot of the same boxes. He was a Euroleague MVP. He was a Euroleague top scorer, all Euroleague first team. So he's done everything you can do outside of winning that championship, I guess. Um, to to suggest he could be a pretty good NBA player if he comes over. And I say if, because after the game was over, uh, Vasenkov had some comments post game where he was talking about how, um, you know, the next step for them is to win the championship. And he kind of alluded in some ways to maybe returning. At the same time, we had a report from Mark Stein um, a few weeks ago where he uh, reported that it was likely Vasankov is going to come over. This is before they lost in the yearly final. So it's very much up in the air. I'm trying not to get too excited because I I love I love guys like this, um the the Bogdanovich situation or the Bielitsa situation. I love when these guys finally decide to to come over after really putting up some good numbers in the League. and uh, it might be too easy of a of a player comp here. Um, he does remind me of Nemanja Bielitsa a bit, a, a big power forward who can shoot, not much defense, but pretty tough. If you remember the early. Bielitsa years before he got a little bit older. He was a tough player. I remember him um, putting Aaron Aflalo into headlocks and, and guys were afraid of him. So I think Vasenkov has some of that toughness and obviously the offensive scoring. Um, I hope he comes over, but there are definitely a lot of factors at play still. You know, what's that contract going to look like? Is he Does he want to stay? Does he want to try and win a championship with Olympiakos? So we'll see. All that's to say, I, I like him a lot and I would be very excited if McNair can get this deal done and, and bring him to the Kings next season.
1: Jerry, I'm curious your opinions on uh, Sasha Vazankov. If you've if you've seen anything that he's he's played, or, or or what are your opinions on him in general?
0: Yeah, I did watch. Uh, they had a game, I think through uh, uh, Deuce and Mo uh, on their podcast. Really, basically had a had a, a st- way to stream it, so I watched a good bit of it. Uh, him playing, and it's like Tony said. I I mean, the guy can really shoot. You know, I mean, he, he's he's a, a shooter, and you can never have too many shooters in the NBA right now, I mean, I guess, you know, my, my assessment would be, you know, and very little information, but just what I watched is number one is he's playing against former NBA players, you know, guys that are in their thirties, they played in the NBA and they, you know, it's, it's a better competition than he's going to get playing against Butler or Colorado state or whatever, you know, I mean, he's getting, he's playing against a uh, big hairy men that, you know, had several years of experience in the league. And, and so I like that, uh, you know, you, you just have got to be concerned defensively about him. I mean, he, is he certainly does seem to be a little bit of a liability there. Uh, I guess, I guess if I want to summarize, I think he's re- equipped to come in and play a rotation role right away and, and be valuable. I, I believe that I think he could play, you know, a little three, four kind of thing, uh, and then the last point I would make is that, and he's an asset, which I think is very important. I think the league knows he's a good player. So he's a guy that has value, not just to you, but the league. And that's worth remembering. And then the last thing is, I don't think he's exactly, he's what they need to make him better for next year. You know, yeah. I mean, he's he, he's he certainly solves the problem as far as being an asset and has value, and you know he can – probably put him in an NBA game and he can play minutes in this in a role. But uh, is he the guy that maybe takes you, jumps you up a notch? I don't believe that he is.
1: Sure. I mean, uh, what do you guys see ultimately as his role? Jerry, you said he could play a three four, but whose spot does he ultimately take on the Kings roster there? Is he starting quality? Are we talking about replacing Harrison Barnes with Sasha Vizankov? Or is this more of a Trey Lyles, more of a situation where he comes off the bench next season?
0: That's a great question. I, I mean, obviously, I just don't have enough information. Uh, but if I were guessing, uh, if, we're, if if he were to start, he'd probably start, you know, basically where Harrison plays. You know, he and Keegan could almost be interchangeable in some ways, <clears throat> which is not unusual in this league. There's no real pos- – it's kind of positionless uh, except for who guards who. Uh, and then Harrison maybe come off the bench. But I, I would see him more as a – you know, what – I would say behind playing behind Harrison some and behind Keegan some. Uh, And maybe, you know, again, I think he'd maybe be in direct competition with Trey Lyles for minutes. And, and, you know, I don't know that he's a lot better than Trey Lyles. If, you know, if you had to hold my feet to the fire, I wouldn't bet on that.
1: Tony, what about you? What do you think?
2: Yeah, that's the tough part with Sasha. For as much as I like him as a player, the fit isn't perfect, considering who's already here. But there's so many so many kind of plates spinning up in the air with this Kings team heading into the offseason that it's hard to know who will be here when they're ready to actually have that negotiation with Sasha because uh, Harrison Barnes is a sign-and-trade sign candidate. Trey Lyles, uh, same thing. Who knows what kind of offers he's going to get in free agency. So Sasha becomes a lot more valuable to this team. If another team does overpay for a Trey Lyles or if someone does show a lot of interest in Harrison Barnes, if everything stays the same, then it is a a lot of positional redundancy, I think, for for where he fits on this roster, because he he can't play small ball center, in my opinion, like you can get away with the Trey Lyles. Um, Maybe you could lose Harrison Barnes in the starting lineup and not miss a lot offensively, but you're probably even worse defensively. So I think the Kings are too good to bank too much on Sasha. Like if if he is slotted in as a starter, I'd kind of question. um, It's a, it's a pretty big gamble for a team that's actually pretty close to being very, very good to, to roll into the start to the season with a kind of somewhat unproven defensive liability again, after they already had those issues last season. So he can plug a a bunch of different holes. We just don't really know where the holes are yet. Yeah. You know, I,
0: I, I was uh, just you I was hoping, I'll tell you exactly what I was hoping to see. Was Hedo Turkaloo another version? Yeah, sure. and and I did and I didn't see that.
1: Sure, yeah. sure. Jerry, any chance the Kings just decided to oh, screw defense? or are going for 150 points a game next year. Well, they may have to. Sure. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> you know. I mean, it's a, that's one thing about it is if you can outscore everybody, you can still win. I, I mean, I, I don't think Mike Brown wants to do that. I, sure. I, I mean, but I, I don't think there's any. I guess the 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 bright side to me is I think he's an asset period. Yeah. And so, you know, how, and like Tony said, you don't know how it's all going to play out or who's going to be here. You know, we're assuming everybody's going to be in place. Well, that's assuming way too much.
1: Sure. Jerry, I was curious only because I was watching a lot of the highlights highlights uh, in between haircuts recently. And it was one of those things that uh, it came to my mind. How much, how much European scouting did you ever have an input on in all your years in the league? And then uh, were there any potential Kings, that never came over that you'd have liked to see in the NBA or or players in general.
0: I didn't really do any. Jeff Petrie just loved doing it, and uh, and he, and I think he was great at it, you know, and really spent an awful lot of time over there and had a lot of connections. So that's you know the only uh, the only Euro that we drafted and never he never played and and we'd had him over for workouts and stuff, but never signed uh, Dejon Boderoga, and and I think he'd have been really good. Sure. You know, he he was a, a little different kind of point guard. I mean, he wasn't real quick and fast, but he could really play a little bit of a, a Luka Doncic type guy, sure. uh, you know, couldn't score like that. But he really, you know, you could see the real gifts he had for for playing. And uh, but, he, you know, is one of those deals where he could he was such a hero over there and the money was so good. He just didn't want to take the chance, but he had seen euros come over and not do so much at sure. that
1: time. Sure. Okay, before we get to Tony and all of our uh fan speculation, uh I've got a couple of questions here that are in my opinion only to be taken half seriously. Um so so Jerry Tony uh put as little thought into this as possible or put as much thought as you as you dare. Um the first one, um for the online betting site bet online, um the uh, the Sacramento Kings have the best odds to land Dream on green if he doesn't fact leave the golden state warriors do either of you have any interest in the the 10-year vet i don't okay thank you jerry that's all i need to hear (laughs) tony what about you
2: man i i kind of do but i i i kind of don't it's one of those things where if if it happened it's a terrible answer but if it happened and it worked out there like there is a scenario where oh that's exactly what the kings needed like they needed some toughness and they needed some defense and now they're much better on that end but also I think there's a a far likelier scenario where it doesn't work out. So I I definitely lean no with the caveat that, you know, maybe, maybe it would work. Um, (laughs) But that's not a, not a bet I'm willing to take because the Kings are are already in such a good position. They don't really need to take a gamble like that. But I do think also Monty McNair has uh, earned a bit of trust here that if he did do something wild like this, and that would be a wild move. um, Then I I would be tentatively on board and kind of, trying to figure out what else he's got in the, in the works.
0: Yeah. The other thing I'd say, the only way, if Mike Brown, you know, he knows the guy and yeah. if Mike Brown says, Hey, I, I am confident this will work here. Then, then I'll, i you know, I, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I, I trust them Like you said, with money, I trust those guys. I really do. There's no reason not to, uh, not to the say They'll always make, they won't make mistakes because they will. They're human, but uh, they haven't made very many. and, and, and so I, I i think if mike brown says hey i want this guy uh i'd say well you know i i wouldn't thing i would be scared to death is if you gave him a 3 or 4 year contract yeah uh, i I'd, I'd see nothing but a no- very unhappy ending there somewhere
1: that's a, that's one of those guys that if i can put myself in my shoes and like oh uh i get a tweet and it's sham saying like oh the sacramento kings have signed draymond green to a two year 75 million dollar contract like the the deep breath i would take would blow down a house but i would ultimately i would fall in line i wouldn't fall in love but i would fall in line with with the kings doing it Like, all right i trust monty i trust mike but like i really don't like this right up until the point where i watch them but if, if he's the the key connector on defense that suddenly locks everything into place cool here's a golf clap for you guys for getting that one right i don't know if i could ever i don't know if i could ever like that man on my team and that's my well, fault thinking, that's yeah. somebody else well
0: yeah and i agree that i don't think i could ever like him either but yeah. but if he helps you win yeah. you know I, i've learned a long time ago you know <laughs> you know <laughs> at, at various levels sometimes some of the guys i liked least were the guys who helped me win the most <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and some of the guys i liked most couldn't help me a bit you know so uh so, you know, you have to – that's it's professional basketball. It's not like I say, not Little League. And uh, <laughs> But, I mean, if the, we were talking about Draymond Green of six years ago, I'd say, sure, it would take yes. all the crap that goes with it uh, because he's that good. I, I just don't believe that he – you know, in my mind, it would be a short-term fix at best.
1: Sure, yeah. sure. Okay, the second one, and this is only being dropped in here because I saw a good deal of discussion about this online over the last week. Um, guys should the sacramento kings bring back the beam for next season the actual literal physical beam of light at the top of the arena
0: well that's a great question uh you know what i kind of think they should i mean it really i mean it'd be hard just to quit doing it uh if there's some something you could add to it you know i don't know uh you know make it a little different uh, sure. but but I, yeah, I think it meant a lot to the fans. I think everybody got a kick out of it. Uh, I mean, there's a point where it becomes you know, gets old, it's kind of like cowbells and things like that. Yeah. You know, it works for a while till it doesn't work,
1: sure.
0: But uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I kind of bought into it, you know, and when an old fart like me buys into it, anybody can.
1: Tony, what about you?
2: Yeah, I would bring it back, and I would also. Uh, it's not going to be the same as it was last year. And I think the Kings should just be okay with that. Like maybe you, like you still like the beam. To me, you like the beam forever after every Kings win, no matter what. But maybe you don't post about it every time. Maybe you don't make such a big deal about it every time. It's just something that happens in the city when the Kings win. And it was a, it was great to blow it out this year. It was a new thing. Everyone was super excited about it. That excitement is inevitably going to go down, but I do think they should still just do it and maybe just kind of do it in passing and not make it like this, momentous thing where someone's got to hit the button every single time
1: yeah i'm okay with that i i think that's a decent take I, I i would i would have trouble where we've spent all year going like this is one of the best sports marketing gimmicks in a long time and then like following it up by like so let's not do it again next year like <laughs> yeah. the, the terrible towel has been around for how long i don't know how long the rally monkey in anaheim went but like these these things have shelf lives and uh, certainly the beam can last longer than uh can last longer than a season my only thing would be that uh like the batman bat signal i'm 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 sure it would become after a while a thing of fear or like a like an incredibly frustrating thing instead of like this cute little gimmick <laughs> like if we're seven years in and the kings are western conference final contenders seeing that beam as you're leaving the arena would be disheartening to other teams and other fans or whatever else like that i feel like it would go from like oh the kings are cute and they have this funny little gimmick to like God, damn i hate that thing like i hate seeing that laser being lit and to me like that's that that amount of chaos and frustration ah, that's where i'm okay with it so it would be yeah. it, it needs to mature a little bit but i think we're good
0: i kind of i kind of wish too. going forward maybe they'd make it a fan thing sure. a, yeah. where a selected fan gets to light the beam I, I because i i do think it'll lose a lot of you know yeah. a lot of stuff with the players i mean that's For just sure. by nature so yeah. what i think is a fan you know you pick some some kid or some season ticket i mean you have some kind of plan or some raffle of some type but i think that would be be meaningful and then you know down the road see where it goes
1: well they have a season ticket holder that rings the it's like a a, an honored fan or guest that rings the bell before every game you can have Mm -hmm. one at the end too jerry i think that's not a bad idea at all okay so so that's all we have for uh for actual legitimate uh, king speculation that's been out there, um, we're going to cut to a commercial break real quick, and then we're going to come back. And, and Tony has a uh, a fantastic list of questions that uh, were asked by uh, some of our Patreon members, by some of our followers on Twitter, and we're gonna we're gonna jump right into that. So we'll be right back after this commercial break.
0: Sacramento Electronic Supply now has stock on Trendnet switches, five to eighteen port gigabyte power over Ethernet switches for all your networking and camera needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hey, or visit them online 24-7 at www.sakelect.com.
1: Okay, Tony, we are back. So it's your turn. Let's, uh, let's hear what the fans have to ask uh, you and Jerry and myself. All
2: right. Thanks, Will. I do want to put a little bit of a disclaimer here. I did specifically ask for fake trades, off season wish lists, free agency targets. So that's what you're going to get a lot of here. And I would say most of these trades work. If you're like on ESPN trade machine, trying to fact check the proposed trades, I would say most of these work depending on some factors. So, uh, We know that sometimes the money isn't going to line up perfectly. However, there's a lot of moving parts in free agency. The Kings can make most of these moves work. It's more about just talking about some players, if the Kings should sign them, uh, trade for them, what the fit would be like, and what the Kings may have uh, to do to give up to get them. So with that being said, I'm going to jump into some of these suggestions from uh, people on Kings Twitter, our Patreon. And if you submitted a free agency target or uh, an idea and don't hear it answered, we are recording a Patreon Q&A after this show where we will ask all the leftover uh, suggestions and talk about them. Uh, there's a lot. So we're definitely not going to get to all of them on this show. Some of them will definitely uh, make it on the Patreon show, though. So to to jump right into it, um, this is one that we've kind of been talking about a lot in our internal Slack. I'm going to credit Tim Maxwell for asking this, but I know it's something we've all talked about. And Jerry, you've talked about Bobby Portis, too. So right off the jump, Jerry, and uh, and then we'll go to Will, Bobby Portis for Kevin Herter. Does that interest you at all? Is that too uh, too much of an offer on either side? Just thoughts on on that kind of a swap.
0: I would be very interested, to be honest with you. And I it doesn't mean it. I don't mean this as a slap at Herder. Like you got to move him because he's really good. Mm-hmm. But so is Bobby Portis, and it probably fits more of a need currently than than even Kevin. So if there's a kind of an even swap, I, I would I would do that. Yes,
1: it okay, will. Yeah, yeah. I I think I would be at the very least interested, if not, uh, intrigued by that. Uh, it's one of those things that like the Kings obviously have interest in in Herder. They like gave up a first round pick for him like Herder fits the timeline. Not that, not that Bobby Portis doesn't, it, it would be Jerry, you brought this up last, last podcast where you said like this King is the, or this, this King's team was the 1999 Sacramento Kings. And you brought up who was starting for the Sacramento Kings then. And then how much turnover there was between that team making the playoffs and the team that ultimately challenged for, for an NBA championship. And if Kevin Herder has to be one of those guys that I go, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, Kevin Herder was, on the Kings when the Kings first started getting good, that's fine. Uh, having seen Kevin Herter play all last year, that would be soul crushing to me only because I'd like him and Sabonis together. But like eventually we have to kill some of our favorites in order to uh, to get to the place where we want to go. And if and if Kevin Herter is one of those guys that we just, hey, Bobby Portis is going to be the guy that provides enough defense to make this this whole thing work and we've got Malik Monk and we can draft another shooter or hell, we're going to bring – Keegan Murray's playing the two Sasha Vizankov's playing the three Harrison Barnes is back in the four tough then. Okay. So be it. So I would be okay with that with moves that are any move. That's even, I'd be okay with it, but Kevin Herter would be an especially hard pill to swallow this early in his tenure as a King.
2: Next uh, suggestion scenario comes from Tom L on Twitter. And uh, Tom says, would you trade Davion and Rashawn Holmes and a 2023 first round pick? So pick number 24, for Dorian Finney-Smith, he has a $15 million, uh this year. And next, you can get off Holmes's contract. And uh, Tom says, teams offer two firsts at the deadline for him and were turned down. So, Jerry, thoughts on Dorian Finney-Smith? And then, is Davion Holmes and the pick too high, too low? Uh, what are your thoughts?
0: I like Dorian Finney-Smith. I think he'd be a nice uh, role player. I mean, he's a good defender, could make threes. Uh, I would not do that deal. I think that's too much. Uh I just, uh, I certainly, I mean, if it's Rashawn Holmes for Dorian Finney-Smith in a couple of seconds, I might do that, yeah. but I, I wouldn't have the first round in there, and I certainly wouldn't have Davion in there on that deal. But if you could do it, I think that's more in line with uh, value, uh, to some degree. I mean, and I would, would Brooklyn do that? Yeah, I could see where they would. They've gotten so many, you know. Six seven six eight forwards, they got more than they can play, so uh, yeah, it, that might be doable, but yeah, you know, I, I, you know, if something like that, I'd be, be interested because I think you can always find minutes for a guy like that, but uh, but not for the that price tag.
2: Will, your thoughts on uh, Dorian Finney? smith so, I agree with Jerry, I think this is price is way too high, mostly because I, I think Davion Mitchell had a very strong uh playoffs, and I, I want to see him continue here. So to me, this is a high high uh return i guess for dorian finney smith although i do like the player but will what are your thoughts here
1: yeah no i wouldn't do it only because i think you can find a dorian finney smith type player at 24 this year i think you know he, he the guy's never averaged i think he's averaged over 10 points maybe once in his career maybe twice it's one of those things that i i think you're not that far you're in a draft and you're in a position in the draft where you can find a talent that could wind up being dorian finney smith and then you get to keep I mean, you have to keep Rashawn Holmes' contract, but that's fine. He's he'll be tradable somewhere else, and and I'm not giving up Davion for a guy who, he's he's not a
2: bad player. He's just he's just not Davion Mitchell and a first round pick worthy. Uh, now we're getting to some some big ones here. Um, I know there's been a lot of OG rumors uh, to Sacramento. Um, we've obviously talked about him a lot, and Toronto has kind of made him somewhat publicly available. Um, this question comes from A Chase 84, and his proposal is uh, Davion and Rashawn Holmes the 23 first the 26 first and the 28 first um those later firsts he has some protections on there but i think the for sake of making this an easier conversation we've got davion holmes and three firsts for og on Anubi.
0: well i i sure like uh og i mean i really do all having said that i I think he's been so underrated for years that now he's become overrated. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I think he's given status that he hasn't totally earned. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. really good, but, uh, I don't, he's not an all-star. He's heard, been hurt a lot the last couple of years. Uh, he'd be a good fit for the Kings. I I do think that he's not exactly, uh, what they need. He is a, you know, a biggish small forward, really. Uh, so, but I, I think that's too much. Uh, you know, I think it'd take a lot to get him, but I'd, I'd sure hate to give up all those first rounders, especially down the line, unless you have a, a lot of protections on them because you, you know, that's how teams get in trouble to say, I will give you our 26th uh, first round pick and, and you think we're going to be good. And all of a sudden you're not. And it's a, it's a lottery pick. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm very mixed. I, I like I like I like OG. I, I mean, if you could get him for your for you, know, you could whether it's a herder or or maybe even even Davion, uh, you know, in a pick, you might I think it, you might think about that.
2: Yeah, I think there are there are a lot of versions of this trade where I think it makes a lot of sense for the Kings three picks to me is still a little bit too high, especially that that does kind of hamstring your ability to trade picks. If a better trade comes along and I don't know that OG is the guy you go all in for, because this kind of feels like an, an, all in type of offer to me. So that's kind of where I come down on it. But, um, Will, I know we've talked about OG a ton. What's, what's your offer here? Is this too much or is this about in line up with what you'd give up?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think you guys both have it right. I think this is a little too much for a guy who's the last three seasons hasn't played more than, like, I mean, he he's averaging 52, 52 games a season. And like this isn't Kawhi Leonard 52 games a season where you know he's when he's in there, you've your team becomes one of the best teams in in the league. OG's a, a good player, but his his injury history is enough for me to be like, I'm gonna take a couple of those picks away, especially the ones further down the road, because as much as I trust Monty McNair and Mike Brown, I've seen a lot of coach of the years get fired recently. I've seen a lot of executives that have built better teams than the Kings get fired recently. And it's like, uh, I mean, I could do, I mean, I'm fine with trading Davion. I don't know if I'm going to trade that many first round picks and Davion for OG.
2: Next question comes from Tom L. This is another big fish now. Uh, of course the Celtics are kind of, (laughs) <laughs> things are not going well in boston i would say really right really Our <laughs> <me. laughs> reporter on the ground
1: here <laughs> yeah i know
2: i can confirm i can confirm things are not going well um so tom l asks uh and again i don't know if this is the exact trade but just the the concept of doing a move like this would you trade keegan rashawn holmes and first round picks i, I guess i'll just say whatever it takes as far as first round picks go for jalen brown
0: oh ah. Uh... I would sure give up a lot for Jalen Brown. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, to just rethink it out. I, I mean, I think he's a difference maker. I know he's played like crap uh, yeah. the last few games, but uh, he he's a baller and he'll make shots and he'll guard you. Uh, I think honestly he probably needs a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If uh, in my mind, if you could, you yeah. know, get him for your pick and I don't know. I, I'd hate to give up Keegan, but if if it was Herter and Davion, some combinations there, or a sign and trade with Harrison, uh, you know. I mean, I, I think there's there's a deal there you'd make. Uh, I and I, and I know that I that that I'm probably giving uh, Keegan uh, maybe more credit than I should. But I'm going to do that at least for another couple of years. I just, you know, it's there's no reason, you know, in two or three years, we don't know. But what Keegan's not going to be better than Jalen Brown. Uh, as a rookie, he's about as good as Jalen was. Uh, so, you know, so so I mean, I think sometimes you have to take a step back before you you go forward here. But uh, yeah, if you could, there's a there's a lot of combinations I think you could make if you're the Kings. Uh, if if the Celtics were to call and say, what's your interest in Jalen Brown? I know if they'd call me and say, now what you interest, I say whole bunch, a whole <laughs> bunch. Let's, uh, let's start negotiate.
2: Yeah. Where, uh, where OG, I would not like put all my chips in for OG. I would put all my chips in for Jalen Brown or pretty, pretty close to all of them. Um, but I, I'm a big Jalen Brown uh, believer. Will though, your thoughts on, on this move or, or whatever the best offer could be for Jalen Brown.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think I would put all my chips in except for Keegan and like, I might slowly slide it across (laughs) the table and pause dramatically just to make sure that they were like, they knew I wasn't happy about it. Um, I don't know if the Celtics want a guy that plays Jason Tatum's position where they're both kind of like small forward, power forward combos. I guess they could play them both together and just, you know, go for 130 a night. But, but it's one of those things that yeah, Jalen Brown's fantastic. And I think he'd fit the Kings, but I want him to play alongside keegan i want keegan to be the four and jalen to be the three and have that work that way but if they really 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 stepped on my neck i could probably give up keegan and feel bad about it but i wouldn't feel great about it i would i'd be like all right it's a fair trade it's not like we stole jalen brown like i want to do it would just be like all right begrudgingly like yeah i guess it was worth it
0: yeah i i think the only thing i'd say just on a quick thought is i'd say say uh boston Yes. Yes. We love him. We'd like you to make your deal, but there's three guys we don't want to trade and that's Fox, a bonus and, and Keegan. Now you, you know, you just, uh, you just open the pot up and see what you think. And we got picks. Yeah. We've got picks, yeah. you know, see, see what uh, would make sense for both teams and maybe, maybe something could be done. I don't, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I love Keegan. I think I would put him in there. My concern with Jalen Brown would be just, is he going to stay long-term here? Because who knows where he wants to play eventually. Um, so that'd be my... But it's it's not too dissimilar to like the Sabonis trade where my concerns there were, well, if the Kings don't make the playoffs in two years, he might be gone. Turns out they made the playoffs in one year. So it, it's working out so far, but there's definitely risk involved in moving a young player like Keegan for someone like Jalen Brown, who is still young, but his contract is coming up um, at some point. So... There will be some important decisions to make there. Uh, We had a couple of questions about John Collins. I'll try and kind of combine them here. Um, Tom asked if John Collins' contract is too much to trade for. And Tim also dropped in uh, just a proposal of Rashawn Holmes and 24 for John Collins. Um, Jerry, any interest in John Collins or, you know, moving that pick and Holmes, who basically isn't playing for, for a guy like John Collins? Well, I
0: think that would interest me. I, you know, I know Collins hasn't. I know Collins is a better player than he's played lately. Yeah. But then again, you know, when you're on the trade market for two straight years, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think anybody would be affected. You know, it's like you know, your parents telling you they don't really like you, and you still have to live with them. You know, uh, <laughs> it it, it kind of hurts the relationship a little bit. Uh, but uh, I mean, I think he would really fit a need. He's something the Kings don't have, uh, and I wouldn't give up a lot for him. But then again, like say Rashawn uh, really isn't playing, and 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 the, you're not likely to get anybody that that helps you nearly as much at 24 as and the fact that I think he's only got two years left of the bad contract. Uh, so two of those years are gone, I believe, and uh, so that makes it a lot more palatable to me. You know it, uh, is and I guess I'd say too, it, it's very little risk, yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's you know, you're taking a little money risk, but uh, you know, uh, you, you don't play money, you play talent. I used to try to explain that to owners in the past, and they never seemed to understand that, but uh, <laughs> if you don't have any money, it's very important to you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Will, what's your uh, what's your temperature check on John Collins? I feel like his value has gone up and down a ton, and then also Holmes in twenty four. Is that does that do it for you? Yeah, I think
1: Holmes in twenty four would do it if if Atlanta would be willing to do that. I, I mean, he's getting paid almost the exact same amount as like a, like a Terry Rozier, Anthony Simons, like Jalen Brunson is in that area. Uh, guys like DeAndre Hunter, like uh, like I feel like John Collins is kind of. I mean, he at least tracks to have, in my mind, more potential than that. Like, if he's in the right situation, and I feel like the Kings could be one of those teams that's like, he's not earning his contract right now, but on the Kings, he could. And if he doesn't, then it's like, okay, well, then, you know, he's making like $7 million more per year than like Duncan Robinson. And like, I, it's bad or it's like, oh, it's not what we wanted, but I don't think he's going to like absolutely tank the Sacramento Kings because, because of that contract. It, it does go for a little while. I mean, it goes to 25, 26. But I, I would – I mean, it would, it would be one of those things that I would be excited if, if it was the, a first-round pick and Rashawn Holmes. I'd be like, hell yeah, okay, we got we got something for for nothing really. But but it is also one of those things that you have to – especially with the new CBA and me not being 100% familiar with everything that's going on there, that would be my only like, uh, how much does this screw us
2: four years from now? But outside
1: of that, I'm, I'm all for John Collins coming over for that price.
2: Yeah, I think these. Are, this is like the most movable combination for the Kings is the Holmes contract and that pick. And then what you can get for that, I would be... I mean, John Collins is a, is pretty good, I think, for that combination of assets, which is kind of what the Kings have that's most tradable. So I would be... I'd, I'd definitely explore if you can get anything better for that combo. But if that's where it eventually boils down to, I think I'd probably take that versus not doing anything with either of those uh, assets. Uh, next one comes from Greg and, uh, I love this. Um, Harrison Barnes sign and trade for, uh, Alex Okoro.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I, I really liked him Sorry, in the Isaac draft. Acoro. Isaac Okoro. Yeah. I yeah. really liked him. He really can defend and getting, so he can make a shot or two. Uh, it's interesting. You know, he's, he's, uh, he, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I I'd have to think on that. I mean, I like Okoro. I mean, I think he'd, he's a little bit of something the Kings don't have. Uh, but depend on the sign and trade and the whole bit, though. How much you know? How much money you got to pay him? I, I mean, he's not like a a, a difference maker. He's a he's a role a roster guy, a top seven or eight guy. is what he really is. There, just like he'd be here. I think.
2: Will thoughts on uh, Isaac Okoro?
1: Yeah, I like Isaac Okoro. Um, I I think that uh, that he's one of those guys that Jerry's Jerry's right in that like you're going to have to pay him after the end of this next season, and that's a big roll of the dice in terms of getting rid of somebody who's uh, who's like Harrison Barnes, like where he's kind of the vet leader or he's kind of the at times he's carried the Kings and at times he's disappeared. Then you're switching over to a guy like Isaac Okoro, who's like the much younger version of that, where he's he could be a role player. He could be a starter. He could be, he could break out on the Kings, but you're, you're betting a lot on a question mark and getting rid of a guy who's proven himself as well. And then you're going to have to pay Isaac Okoro based on what that is. So I I think if we knew that Harrison Barnes is going to leave, it's just like, Hey, the Kings have told Harrison Barnes or Harrison Barnes has realized he's gone. I'd rather sign and trade and get Isaac Okoro than nothing. But it is also one of those things that if it's like, if you were to ask me straight up, do you want to trade Harrison Barnes for Isaac Okoro? I kind of grit my teeth a little bit and be like mm, what else you got over there you know <laughs> can, can i yeah. get a second round pick for that one <laughs> like, yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's probably a good way to put it yeah, yeah i think so
2: i guess i like okoro more than you guys i don't know <laughs> I, I think i also called him alex i was getting my alex oriaki, <laughs> yes. alex <Yeah>. oriaki <laughs> like earwormed in my brain yeah. um but I, I like okoro he's obvious it would be a i'm not going to tell you that you know barnes would be uh that would be an upgrade in year one. It's definitely more of a long term play, and you could argue yeah. the Kings don't have the time to have to make a, a long term move like that. And I I would accept that argument. I just I like Okoro. I think he'll get there. I think he'll get to a point where you're happy you made that trade, even if you have to take a slight downgrade in one year. I think it, the over the long term you'll you'll like that outcome. But it's definitely not a not an easy easy uh, definitely it's going to work out situation.
0: Yeah, I've watched Cleveland a good bit, and I've always. I, I like him and, and you know, but I've always thought, you know, he should be a little better than he is. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have that feeling, you know, it's like in that draft, you know, with Halliburton draft and, you know, he was one of the guys I really liked along with the Vassell
2: mm-hmm. in
0: San Antonio. And I'll be telling you right now, I like Vassell better. Yes. Uh, sure. Me too. And, and so, you know, the, there's that, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, He just doesn't warm the cockles of my heart. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'd like to see, you know, a trade made that, you know, going in and say, boy, I think we're better.
2: And I mean, he's
0: different. I'm not sure it's better.
2: Uh, Next question is kind of going in a different direction that I I appreciate and like quite a bit. Uh, Michael Mack asked, who would Jerry pick if he magically placed one Kings player he coached as an assistant or head coach onto this current team he is not allowed to pick Danny Ainge and Jerry just for some inspiration. He also included uh, Reggie Theus, uh, Thorpe, Tank, EJ, Harold, Presley, Kenny Smith, Tizzy, Roddy McRae, um, but not allowed to pick Danny Ainge.
0: Nope, not allowed to pick Danny Ainge. Yeah, on this team, hmm, that I coached, uh, hmm. That's a tough one. Uh yeah, I'll tell you. Uh well, it, it actually be easy for me. Uh the guy I coached it was Ricky Berry when he was alive. I, I yeah, definitely yeah. he was a he was a talent, a talent, a real true talent, and would fit this team because he could play, you know, two, three, and uh, you know, he's better than more talented than Herter or Barnes. Uh, I thought more talented than Peja, uh personally. And I, I don't mean, you know, I just think he was, he was more lively athletically and, and uh, had the same kind of range. So yeah, that would, that would be the guy.
2: Will, I don't know how to ask this question to you, but I'm kind of curious <laughs> who, who you've coached that you would yeah. add to this team.
1: Uh, you know what? No, I, uh, can I say it this way that when when Michael asked this question, I was hoping Jerry would say Barry, only yeah. because like he listed. I mean, uh, Michael always said a lot of great players, but I was kind of like, I wonder if, I wonder if Jerry will pull that one out out of the hat. So Jerry, I'm glad you did.
0: Well, I you know the, now that I've thought about too, my actually my first choice, Ricky, now would be my second. I thought about it a little bit more. I'd take Bob McAdoo. Uh, I coached him. I yeah. uh, wasn't in pros. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll count it. Yeah, count. but uh, you talk about exactly what the Kings need—a a six-eleven <laughs> guy that can rebound and block shots and and, and shoot and shoot deep. So uh, yeah.
2: All right, we've been uh, pretty bro- uh, pretty specific with some of these offseason targets. Will I'm going to ask one more here, and then we can <laughs> go through the rest of them on Patreon. But sure. this is more of a, a broad question. I think we can all take some time to answer. Uh, Dutch Kings fan asks is there a specific skill you think the Kings should look for in free agency or the draft? And if you want to throw out some examples of players, great. But um, Dutch Kings fan is asking, what skill do you need the Kings to add this off season?
0: You know, uh, I don't know if it'd be one. Uh, I I think it's a given in today's game. They got to be able to shoot. Yeah. You know, I, I I mean, there's there's a lot of things that, that shooting not going to make up for. But in today's game, it's a it's a it's a make or miss league. It really is. And you've got to be able to shoot with range, I think, uh, for, for at least four of the positions. Mm-hmm. And so so I think you have to start there. You know, a guy that can't shoot, that's that's good in other areas. I'm not sure how long you can keep him on the floor.
2: Yeah. Will, uh, what's the biggest it, need for you?
1: Yeah. Was it the is it one or can I combine them?
2: Um, the, I mean, you can do whatever you want, but the question was asked, is there a specific skill you think the Kings should look for in free agency or the draft?
1: Okay. One specific skill, then I, I'll i probably just say rebounding just because that's, that's, I, I think a, a, a big need. Um, I don't care where it is on the floor. Like if you, if you want a Josh Hart, where he's a small forward, who's rebounding the hell out of the ball. If you want it to be a, a, a power forward next to, uh, Next to Sabonis, if you want to move Sabonis the power forward and, and find a center, it's fine. But like, I, I think that uh, there was too many times where I watched Kavon Looney absolutely destroy the Kings on the boards. And that was the difference between making the second round and not making the second round. And, and to me, like, that's where I'm thinking now, like, OK, this core, this core can get to a first round playoff series can they get out of it? And like, what, what did they learn from this last season? And Jerry's right. We're we're always going to need shooters. I mean, I will hoard all the shooting in the world, but like, I, I want another freak rebounder next to Sabonis or somewhere else on the court that far out rebounds their opponent on the other side, guarding them that that'll help the Kings win a couple of games when, when they're most needed.
2: I'll take this question, I guess a little bit more specific with players. And Jerry mentioned him a few weeks ago and it has not really left my mind um but i go back to a guy like Burke lopez where you're kind of you're you're satisfying everything you're getting some interior defense and you're getting shooting so i think obviously Nas reed kind of fits that bill as well so that's the kind of player i think the the playoffs really exposed the fact that the kings need um some some defense obviously i mean that's a given they they had defensive struggles all year but this allows you to get defense while retaining your your best asset which is your offense and your shooting so if you can get a defender who is not a liability on offense that that's to me is the is the best case scenario and brooke lopez nas Reed are two guys that could kind of fill that role for the kings
0: yeah i think they'd be terrific and i you know i say this too i always think if you're going to make a move you obviously know what you need but it, it really needs to start with the idea now who will they fit well with our star guys mm-hmm. you know it doesn't do you a lot of good if you get to get somebody that's going to take away from this, the productivity of either Fox or Sabonis, and and so uh, you know that's where Brooke Lopez is honestly the perfect guy yeah. because he's exactly what Sabonis isn't. He's a great deep shooter. Uh, he's a much better rim protector, and you know he actually likes playing on the perimeter. Yeah, and and uh, and Sabonis would get him a lot more shots even than than uh, uh Giannis does now the neck course the negative is clear he's an older player Uh, how he had his best year in his career this year but uh you'd be you know i does he have two quality years left i think he probably does but the but the key word there is think yeah (laughs) and you're not going to get him on two-year contract either so you know anyway so that's 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 the whole deal it's uh and whereas you know nas reed you're betting on the come there i i mean i think he's the best is ahead for him and he's got a lot of years ahead uh he not near wouldn't have near the impact in my mind that lopez would but yep. you you're not going to have to do as much to get him number one and he should be able to fit with your current uh current stars so that's the kind of guy and i'm not saying those are the only two I, I know they're not but uh you know they're guys that are free agents so start there
1: yeah. <laughs> you know maybe and
0: you know it may require sign and trade and that's okay mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. you know so yeah i like i like both those but like say yeah if you could say you get brooke lopez on a three-year deal uh and i'd say okay sign me up
2: yeah. just pray it works for all three years but it's uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah and of.
0: Yeah, and if you get two out of the three, yeah, I think yeah, I think you just say happily on down the road, you know.
2: <laughs> um, Will I got more, but we'll save them for the Patreon, uh, okay. and I guess that'll do it for the questions today. Awesome.
1: So Jerry, we're going to roll over to you now to uh, to wrap this thing up for us. So the Reynolds wrap up.
2: Well, the
0: the the only thought there, I was uh, uh, reading a, a statement. Bob Costas, former great, is still a great announcer. Was talking about some of the things that he doesn't like about the NBA. And it kind of it's kind of struck me because I'm kind of the same way. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. He's talking about how, you know, besides all the un the constant bitching and and emotional outburst of on every call, but but he's talking about the players too. Now it's like they have to perform on every made shot. You know, uh you have to, you know, slap your show three fingers or slap your chest or show your heart or something. (laughs) And, and he said, you know, and, and, and of course he said, there was a time it hadn't been that long ago when nobody did that. Actually nobody. Now I think young fans, they honestly, they they believe it's always been that way because it's, it's always been that way. But I, and I, I like some of it, don't get me wrong, but I think it's overdone. You know, it's just really on those two fronts really overdone that I think in time will hurt the game, you know, will hurt the game, you know, that uh, at some point these things are just overdone. I mean, whether it's, you know, it's like everything you can. Yes, you can have too much cowbell. You can have too much bitching and moaning. You can, <laughs> you can have too much. You know, too much of a good thing. And you know, the game is a great game, and the players have never been better. But uh, you know, at some point, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get back. It's kind of like football. You see these guys run a, a back, get a six yard run. He jumps up and and has to perform to the crowd. You just ran six yards. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's what you did. <laughs>
1: all right so on behalf of uh, everyone here at the king's herald i want to thank you guys for a uh, another wonderful episode uh talking king's basketball lightly talking king's basketball i mean we we at least we stuck to the king so there was there was a moment there where i thought oh, we're gonna to have to end up talking about baseball uh which uh, which terrified <laughs> me which uh yeah, which would, yeah, which would be too. the end of this podcast <laughs> so um and uh thank you guys so much and we will uh, we will see you again in two weeks we're gonna roll over now to the the patreon to, uh, to answer some more of these questions. So if you're interested in hearing even more crazy questions that Tony has for you, um, come on by Patreon, uh, drop a, I think it's what a dollar is our lowest, uh, our mm-hmm. lowest one. So for, for $12 a year, you can hear me and Tony and Jerry uh, talk even more basketball over there. So well, uh, that's, so much. Bar- we'll that's a, you bargain. <laughs> there a you go. bargain at half the price. Yes. <laughs>